0: So here we go. Mark chapter 8, verse 27, from the New Living Translation, it says this, Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. And as they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter replied, you Are the Messiah. Let me read to you from the message version. Jesus and his disciples headed out for the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And as they walked, he asked, who do the people say I am? Some say John the baptizer, uh, they said. Others say Elijah. Still others say one of the prophets. Then he asked, and you? What are you saying about me? Who am I? And Peter gave the answer, you are the Christ. Messiah, let's pray. Father, we need you in this moment. Not so that we can hear a good message, but that the message might take root in our spirit. That we might be changed from glory to glory. That we might become everything that you've called us to be. Your word changes us from the inside out. Father, let our outside reflect what's doing on the inside. So that we might fulfill our purpose that you have for us in the earth. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So this morning I want to preach to you a message titled, Say What? (laughs) Say What? My little caption underneath is, they won't know unless you tell them. They won't know unless you tell them. So in order for me to get to the text of Scripture, I need to give you the previous storyline or the story layout that leads us to this moment. This moment comes after Jesus has performed many miracles. He is with the disciples, and the disciples are going through a battle of doubting. Of course, this is not the first time that Jesus dealt with disciples that doubt. Trust me, he understands doubt. There was a a, a, a person called Doubting Thomas in the Bible. Like, he knows there's doubt. He knows that you doubt at moments. So he's dealing with this moment, and Jesus asks them, Hey, you've seen everything. You've been a part of everything. You know who I am, but let me ask you this question, what are they saying? In a culture today where we are more concerned what everyone else is saying, let me ask you the very same question, what is it that they are saying about Jesus? I love how that they, the disciples, it doesn't say that one responded. It says that they responded, and they said this to him. They said, uh, uh, they said uh, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, and others call you one of the other prophets. Listen, this moment is a very profound question in many ways because it deals with a multitude of questions. Who do the people say the Son of Man is? What is the world talking about in this, uh, in this hour? What do they believe? In this moment. And and if you look at that text in verse 28, it says, he says, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the other prophets. John the Baptist, you're the way, you're preparer of the way, but you're not the way. Some say you're John the Baptist. You're one of those guys who says that the Messiah is coming. Some say you're Elijah. You're You're a prophet. In other words, you're good to speak to what is to come, but you don't even know what has come. Or maybe you're just another one of the prophets. You're just another speaker in the room declaring things that have already been declared. How many times have you read in Scripture that prophecy was given on multitudes of occasions over the same thing over and over? Because we were too dumb and ignorant to figure out that the first time it was said was truth. Because we wanted to keep making excuses of why we couldn't see him while he was still on earth. How many people knew when Jesus was on the earth that the prophecies that had been said that there would be one to come? While Jesus was standing in the room, they knew the prophecy but couldn't see the Messiah. There is a danger when we know something, but we are unable to see something. And the reason we're unable to see something is because we don't know something. We do not have the wisdom. In other words, the scales have not been wiped from our eyes. And the world is sitting here, and if you watch it, if you watch it, if you watch it, Everybody would tell you, if you watch the news long enough, you'll know the world's going to hell. But yet, I see it so much differently. I see it as a tremendous opportunity to tell the world that your God might have died, but mine's still alive and living in the hearts of men and women. My God's not dead. He's alive. Let, let's talk about it. it says that one, one said it was. They, they responded back to Jesus They said, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're uh, uh, John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. This is how the world says it. Some say you're Muhammad. Some say you're Allah. Some say you're Buddha. Some say you're a feel-good. Some say you're an emotional pick-me-up. Some people say you're the big man upstairs. It's amazing what we've turned God into. And can I just say this to you for a second? We, the church, have allowed the world to define the God that we serve. And we sit in our churches, enjoy our padded seats as long as there's a to swallow the fact that we believe what we believe but will not tell the world who he is. And here's the truth of it. Telling them doesn't mean you're casting them to hell. You're trying to retrieve them to heaven. You're not walking in a room going, you're going to hell. No, listen, I was going to hell. But yet, I found a savior. I'd like for you to meet him because he'll change your life. I love people coming, Pastor. I'm a I'm a Buddhist or Pastor. I, I I'm a, I'm a Muslim and, and you know I I feel great. But but you have more peace than I have. You know, I've said for years. I said I said I wish the church was as disciplined as the Muslims were because they pray every day. Yet we only pray at moments. And I mean, they're hardcore about it. I remember when I was young, I was probably 21. I worked for a place called Celebration Station, and I was a manager. And we had this huge birthday party show up one day. And right at one hour, they literally walked outside, walked outside, unrolled their carpets in the middle of the field, and just began to pray. And me as a believer felt so bad because I had woken up that day and said nothing. But yet because of their belief... They consecrated time because of what they believed in. But I had something that they didn't have. I had the peace that passes all understanding. They were praying out of fear because without prayer, they're condemned. Do you see what I'm getting at here? But the problem is, is that we're not saying anything anymore. Can, can I just say this to you? Um, uh, used to, we in America used to be the root space of the, of. of I can't even think of the word now. Praise God. Lord, help my brain this morning. I appreciate your Holy Spirit moving right now. We used to be the ones that went out and were missionaries. Did you know that missionaries now come to the United States? Why? What happened? We were the one country that sent more missionaries into the world. Now the world's sending missionaries to us. Did you know that the United States has become a missionary field? Do you know why? Because the church that sits in its own country doesn't say anything. It waits for people to show up in their buildings then to go out and tell the world that the the one that we serve still lives. What are we saying in this hour? What what is the world saying? You know what the world says. Come on. Half the people you know don't even believe in the God you serve. Let's be real. Can we just be honest for a second? We have accepted the fact that people reject God and die. Watch. I'm going to take it a little step further and go to hell. We've accepted, we've become numb to the fact that not accepting Christ means death and hell. Are are y'all with me? Y'all look at me like y'all lost. Have y'all read your Bibles yet? This is what the scripture is. Rejecting God means death. Death means hell. Hello. Separation from God. I I know we don't want, Pastor, don't, don't bring up hell. Just bring up heaven. Heaven is a real place. Hell, I don't like to talk about hell. I don't want to talk about hell. If you don't talk about hell, you might end up in hell. i got to be honest with you. If you don't talk about it, it's going to become a reality for you. It's like, I don't want to talk about heart disease, but I'm going to keep eating McDonald's. But I'm not going to talk about heart disease because, you know, if you speak heart disease, you're going to get heart disease. No, if you keep going through the drive-thru at McDonald's, and I don't care if you drink a Diet Coke with your supersized meal, you're still going to die. Diet Coke is not going to save you. Thank you. Thank you for finally laughing because y'all were looking at me like I had lost my mind this morning. <laughs> See, here's the truth of it. If I, you, if I tell you guys I'm really trying to lose weight, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get my, my buff body back. Amen. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying, to, trying to make everything good. Amen. I'm trying to live long. And I go, but then after church, I'm going to McDonald's. You're like, hi, Pastor. I'm so glad you're going to McDonald's. You'd be like, Pastor, please don't go to McDonald's. Why? Why? I don't want you to die. You don't want me to die in my flesh, but why would you allow me to die in my spirit? It is not my flesh that has eternity. It is my spirit that has eternity. Why won't you protect my spirit anymore? Because we have become comfortable with death. We have become comfortable with hell. You may prove it to you. Next week, I'm going to prove to you that we've become comfortable with hell. What do you mean, Pastor? I don't know. Drive through your neighborhood and you tell me. How many skeletons, witches, warlocks, demons are creeping out of people's front yards? I'm not going to tell you who, but I went to somebody's house last week and I saved all their skeletons. If you drove by their house, all their all their skeletons caught the Holy Spirit. They were all in worship in one accord. They received the Spirit of God. Amen. The Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise. Amen. We're going to get them. And so... uh, so I went there and helped him out a little bit. Amen. <laughs> uh, but, but let's be honest. We, we've become comfortable with things other than heaven. We've become comfortable with, well, I hope they make it, rather than I won't rest until they make it. So see, we, we go, God, send revival. God, pour out your spirit. God, do something supernatural. And God goes, you're my super and my natural. Please step up. But, but God, you're the supernatural, and yeah, but I live in you. Therefore, now you are walking in the super and the natural. Will you please go tell them how super and natural I am? Why is he super and natural? He is a super God, but he will speak to the most natural places of your existence. We're not saying anything anymore. In fact, the culture has turned where we want to be spoken to. Which would that mean that now the church now has to be saved every week? I want to know that I'm going to end this race in heaven. Can I get an amen from somebody? I want to know that when I breathe my last breath, me and God, we're going to see face to face. I'm going to get to finally see what I've been believing in my entire life. I might not have seen it, but I know there's a day coming. Why is it that we're okay if our friends and families don't make it? Well, but pastor, it's not my job to, to, to uh, condemn or it's not my job to, to uh, offend them. <laughs> Maybe they need to be offended. But the Bible says offenses will come. If the scriptures don't offend you, you're not reading your Bible. Y'all ever read your Bible for real? Like, come on, work with me for a second. See, here's the thing. and I just got to say it. Amen. A lot of times we read the Bible based on what we want to hear, not what it truly says. You understand that every bit of your flesh in this thing is going to get completely offended? If your flesh can live after reading the Bible, you have not read the Bible. You have picked apart the Bible. This word has offended me more than it's blessed me. Pastor, why would you say that? Because out of my change is where I find the blessing. It's when I'm changed by the word is when blessing comes. Okay, so we're sitting in church. You come to service every Sunday. You hear the word. Then what do you do? The word now comes into your spirit. Where do you do with it? Well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to put it on my shelf. And I'm going to hold on to it because I don't want to lose it. Then we come back next week. God, I still got my word from last week. I'm ready for a new word. But you have no hands to carry the new word that God's got for you. So we're still holding on to a word from six months ago rather than the word God wants to give. And the reason he gives you a word is so that you might go out into the world and tell others. Let me help you with something. God doesn't give you a word so you can hoard. You can hoard. God doesn't give you revelation so you can keep it to yourself. God doesn't give you revelation so that you can say, look how big my house is, full of my words. It says, God says, I've given you my word so that you might tell others. And once you've emptied emptied the vessel, come back. I'll give you a fresh one so you can tell them something new. Here's the problem. The church is just saying the same old stuff. Because we're not being filled. We're just regurgitating old word. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Because here's the truth of it. We come to church, pastor, that was a great word. You know what defines how good the word is I preach? Not whether you listened, but whether you delivered. (laughs) Okay, it's like this I'm FedEx, you're the recipient, but the contents of the box is not just for you, it's for everyone in your neighborhood. I'm FedEx, here's your package. Stop hoarding your packages, saying, look how many packages I've got without ever ever seeing what the contents is and understanding that the contents in that box is that your neighbor might finally find out how big your God is. I'll give you this story. Uh, We we, we have, we had, how many of y'all got, you got kids? Raise your hand, wave at me, you got kids, amen. Your kids ever get in neighborhood fights, amen? Okay. No, we're like, no, my kids are super holy. My kids are perfect. They come out of the womb singing, ah. Okay, okay. I'm glad your kids are better than mine. Amen. And, and so we had this little situation in our neighborhood with, our, with my older daughter. And, and, uh, and it wasn't a bad situation, but we had to put some reins in to create some structure of, okay, y'all need to time out. Y'all, y'all hanging out too much. Y'all getting on each other's nerves. And we know where it's going to go because we were once children. Amen. And, and so Tiff went down to the neighbor's house and talked to the mom, and everything's good. And we, we separated them. And my daughter had a hard time separating from her friend. She felt almost guilty for separating from her friend. She had like, but 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 I mean there were days where she'd go into the room and just tear up because she didn't know how to balance that space. And I'm trying to teach her at nine years old. There is balance, there's structure, there's boundaries. You got to know what your boundaries are, and you can't just give into what everybody wants you to do, and you gotta have a leadership role as well. Not everybody leads you, you got to be a leader at some moments as well. And and so we're talking about this thing, and 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 so she came in and she said, Dad. What do we do? And, and I know, I know that they don't go to church. I know that they know who I am because I don't hide it, Jack. Like, I'm not quiet about what I do. You're a preacher. Kids come to the house. Your dad's a preacher? Yeah, I'm a preacher. OK, so they all know what I do and the parents know what I do. And, and sometimes that makes neighborhood relationships really weird. Luckily, we have Leslie and Michael in our neighborhood, so we're good. And, Le- and Lisa, so we're good. So Lisa got some friends that really, okay, man, they're not going, oh, my gosh, he's one of those weird guys. And, uh, and so, so I'm sitting here thinking about how we're dealing with the situation, and, and Hope's talking to me, and I said, okay, time out. Next week, I want you to invite her in to play. This is because the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. And, and Tiff goes, babe, we got to be careful. I said, I get it. But I don't want that little girl to ever feel abandonment and rejection. I have one opportunity while I live on this street to give them Jesus. If I separate myself from them, I'm no different than the world that's already rejected her. And maybe, just maybe, the reason that this situation has been going on is because she already feels that way. We have one opportunity to love her, not abandon her. And so I found out they played the day. They got along perfectly. It's a little bit of time. It's all they needed. But But here's the truth of it. Do you realize I said so much without ever saying anything? I brought God into the moment. I brought that atmosphere into the moment. And in that moment, she felt loved. In that moment, she felt part again. She felt received again and so this is what i'm saying to you is is that i don't need you to walk outside of the building today go stand on the corner and go repent for the kingdom of god is at hand don't don't do that don't go down bourbon street and tell everybody they're going to hell don't that's not saying anything that's condemning things bring the love of god into the lives of people stop holding on to the love and let me say this to you as a sidebar although it's not in my notes if you are not giving the love away you have not let god love you yet Because if you cannot give the love of God away, then you are hoarding the love of God, and the love of God has not become a reality to you yet, and so you are refusing to give it away because you're afraid you might lose it. But yet the Bible says, nothing, and I mean nothing, shall separate me from the love of God. In other words, God says, I gave you my love to give my love so that you can receive love, so that you can give love, so that you can receive love, so that you can give love. And then you finally understand that you can't outgive more than I can give. So then you just give, and you don't come back to me going, God, give me more. You go, man, his love is sufficient. His love is perfect. His love is awesome. This is crazy. I keep giving away, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm not even going, "Going, God, I need your love, because you understand that you already have the love of God. <sighs> what are you saying? Oh, Pastor, I just come because I need a word for me. Okay, let me help you with something. Don't eat so much that you become spiritually fat. And I'm not talking about P-H-A-T fat. I'm talking about F-A-T fat. Can I just say this to you? There are a lot of fat church folk eating and eating and eating and eating and eating. Man, not feeding a soul. Did I say go out and give money to the homeless guy? That's not what I said. Peter and James said silver and gold, have I not? But what I got is better than the money. I got Jesus, let me tell you about him. And then they prayed for him. Actually, he just was in the shadow Caught, spirit, jumped up, ran into the synagogue, and danced in front of the church folk that ignored him and never said anything to him. See, the day is coming where we can't just attend church and say nothing. The day is coming that if we want to get in the church, we better have said something. We better have said something. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say something. Please say something. How many of you guys have been good to you? Does the world know it yet? Well, no, my my friends know it. My wife knows it. My kids know it. But my neighbors know. Why not? Because they don't believe. Let me translate. Because they're going to hell. Any any, any seasoned believers in the room want to argue that point with me? If you don't know God, you can't receive heaven? That's your scripture. But yet we're okay with that. We're okay with you not knowing God because it's not about you, it's about me now. Culture defines it's about you. It's not about anybody else. What if I what 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 if? What if this is a what if this is not theological, this is not in your word, but what if access into heaven depended on how many you told, not what life you lived while you were here? Well, I think there was only one great commandment that Jesus gave? One. One commandment. Well, two. He said, love one another, and I know that's it. But he says, go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Declare the word. Tell them. He, that's what he said, right? Come on, y'all look at me like I'm crazy. Oh, no, I don't want to say nothing, Pastor. Don't, no, don't make me do it. I don't want to be a preacher. I didn't ask you to be a preacher. I asked you to believe and talk about what you believe in. How many of y'all seen a good movie recently? Did you tell anybody about it? How many of you have eaten at a good restaurant lately? This is Louisiana. Everybody's hands going to go up. Amen, amen. Did you tell anybody about it? Oh, yeah, I told you. I called my family. I posted on Facebook. I put pictures on it. You, you want to play it. Okay, I'm going to be real, real cut for a second. It is amazing to me how much we will post about the world, but we will not declare God in anything. And then get mad when God doesn't do what we want. What you say is what you believe. And if you're not saying nothing, baby, you got doubts. Because a lack of vocal ability to the things of God means that deep down on the inside, you don't actually believe that he'll actually do what he said he would do. Because if you did, you tell the world. If I had the, the anecdote for cancer in my hand. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt it worked. And never told anybody it would be because I did not believe that it would actually work. But I hold within my spirit the answer to everything under the sun. Everything. Heartbreak, ups, downs, lefts, rights, healings, manifestations, all of it. I hold it with inside of me. If I don't let it out, then I don't believe what dwells. And we have to be careful because the world is watching. The Bible declares that you are living epistles being judged by men daily. Daily. In other words, let's, let's break it down for a second. The world is watching to see if you will talk about what you say you believe. And if you'll do what you say you believe. You are living epistles. You are a book, a, a book, a tablet of God written by him. You're an epistle. You're a, you're, a, you're a chapter, you're a book, you're, a, you're, a, you're the greatest way God can explain how big he is. He says you're a living epistle being judged by men daily. The world is watching. Do you just play Sunday or do you play every day? Are you the guy who's playing third string and is comfortable as a third string or hoping that one day you might get put in the game? Or are you fighting for that first string position trying to get in the game because you know what's on the inside of you? I, don't, I never understood when I played sports how people were okay sitting on the bench. Never could understand it. I had the biggest problem with it. When I played Little League football, I would I would run over to the sideline and I would get next to the coach. Even though I wasn't on offense, I was on defense, I would just stand there hoping, 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 hoping that he might find a hole to throw me into just because I wanted to tag somebody this morning. Coach, can I just hit somebody, please? I just, I just want to get in one more time. I just want to let them know we're not playing today. We're coming to, we're coming to do damage today. Come, coach, come on, come on, coach. Brian, you don't play offense. I don't care. I just want in. You don't even know the plays, Brian. I don't care. I mean, I go over there and take a knee and put my helmet down. But now what we do is we, we come into church and we receive a word and then we go home and go to sleep. Oh, let me tell you, okay, y'all don't get mad at me. I, I didn't tell you I was playing nice this week, amen. Uh, we go finish church, we get a word, then we go feed our flesh. And then we go rest our flesh. Then we scream at the TV screen and get in the flesh. <laughs> y'all think I don't know, amen. <laughs> Pastor, through you in my house? Nope, but I know, amen. I'm married to a Saints fan. I got a video one day I'm gonna play in here, you're gonna fall out. But I have to get permission first. Amen. God's give it to you real quick. They got into a fight at one of the end of the games, and she's like, they're fighting. Can you deal with that? I'm like, what is wrong with her? I gotta move. I'm scared. Okay. She gets pumped, man. She kicks her shoes off. She's like, no! I'm like, who is that? Wow, we, we get a look, come on, come on work we say, watch this, watch, watch Sunday, Monday, Monday, watch Monday, whether the Saints win or lose, whether, whatever happens. Watch the amount of posts that go on social media. Watch. It is epically hilarious to me. If we don't play well, it's everybody else's fault. I mean, it's the Rams from last season's fault. Or it's the refs or the NFL. And you know I, I can get into all kinds of stuff. And tell you what I think, but I'm not going to get into that. You don't want to hear my, my theories. But I will look at my wife sometimes and go, the boys didn't show up to play today. Because I understand the game of football. She'll go, but it's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's not that." I'm like, yeah, babe, they suck today. <laughs> I rooted them on, but they just didn't win. And that's okay. We're going to move on. But the next morning you wake up and the, 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 the listings of converts, people cussing each other out on social media over a football game. Like the saints or any of your teams are going to be standing at the gates going, Haha, we've been waiting for you. Half those guys might not even make it to heaven. But yet we've put so much faith and so much energy into something that we'll get up the next morning and declare something that is detrimental to the spirit rather than, hey, you know what? My saints lost, but God is still God. Right. And he's good. Amen. Hey, man, if you're on this thing this morning and you've got a problem with the saints losing, let me help you with something. The saints are not your source. But my God is. I just want you to know that yet through all things, yet will I praise him, so maybe you want to join me. You have a thing that says saints, act like it. Now, I can do that because I live in Louisiana and I'm a saints fan, but let's be honest, let's be honest. Got a lot of saints fans in the world that are not saints. Uh-huh. They're sinners, amen. Amen. But what are we saying? How are we, how are we speaking? Well, how many more services can you sit in before you explode? Yeah. Or do you just go home and derobe what's been put on right. and hang it in the closet for you to put on another day uh, yeah. rather than wear that robe so that the world might know yeah. right. about the God that you serve? Yeah. Say, what? That's good. What are you saying? Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're the preparer of the way. Some say you're going to come one day. Some say, well, they kind of believe or don't believe. You're just one of the other prophets. What are you saying he is? To the broken person, is he the mender? To the sick person, is he the healer? To the lost person, is he their salvation? Or are you holding that in, hoping, 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 hoping one day you'll get an opportunity? You had an opportunity. You walked out on it. Don't get mad at the world for the world and the condition it's in. The world's in the condition it's in because the church went silent. Yep. Oh, don't nope, nope. want to take that one on today. Look, look, I love it. Oh, pastor, the devil's winning. The, look, at, look at what the devil's doing. He's confusing people. He's causing problems. Look, 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 look. Nope, I won't take it. The world is where it is because the church has become comfortable in complacency, yet calling themselves believers. What you believe, you will talk about. What you don't believe, you will stay silent about. I'm almost done. Amen. He didn't ask what, which would refer to action. He asked who, which is defined by characteristics. What are they saying about my character? What are you saying about the character of God? Pastor, how do I tell others? Tell them about the goodness of God. In the land of the living, tell them what he's done for you. If you woke up this morning with breath in your body, tell somebody how grateful that you're breathing this morning and you would not have that air had God not created it. Let them understand that everything that you have is because you serve a good God. I sat in the Bible study Tuesday night with, with uh, one, of our, one of our life groups. And, and, and I was wrapping up this, this thing about the Holy Spirit. And, and I was looking at him and I said, I don't have any problems. I'm good because I got a good God. Everybody wants to subscribe to pain, I'm subscribing to life because I got life in him. Anything else is the devil. So, so, so if I walk around going, I'm dying? The doctor said I'm dying? Then you've subscribed to death. That's right. Yet through death, I might find life. Yeah. He, he, tried trying to help this morning. <laughs> what are you saying about the character of God? I'm not asking you to walk out there and go, Jesus came to the earth. He was here for years, and he, and he did miracles, and then, and then he died. And they put him on a cross, and... Stuck in a borrowed tomb, and and three days later, he came out of, that, out of that grave and then rose to the right hand of the father. He's coming back. Don't you want to get saved? The world's going to look at you and go, huh, you've lost it. But, hey, here's my story. I was born in the church, ran like you know what from the church, found myself locked up, incarcerated in my own cave. Yet God showed up in the middle of my cave and got me out of my cave. And then gave me a purpose when I thought I had nothing. I was homeless, and now I'm not. I thought I would be single, and now I'm not. Now I have four beautiful children who love God, who sit on the front row and want to be a part of the ministry. I, I've, I've seen the promises of God, and, and if you think that the promises aren't real, I'm the most least likely for God to bless, or at least that's what I thought. But But one day I came to this understanding that God had something for me I could not see. And when I subscribed to his plan rather than my pain, I found out that God, man, it's so much fun. It's the best drug I've ever taken in my life. Man, I drank liquor. I got, I got drunk. But, man, when I got Jesus, I never needed it another day. Because I didn't have to drown my pain. I was delivered from it. See, this is what I'm trying to help you with. See, this is where we don't say anything. And you go, but, Pastor, I can't say it. Why? Because you don't believe yet. Because you haven't subscribed to the fullness of the operation of God in your life. You are just subscribing to the moments that you exist in. God is not a momentary God. He's an eternal God. He is an omnipresent God. He never changes. He never moves. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's tell the world that. Hey, I got one. You feel abandoned, rejected? I serve a God who will never leave you or forsake you. You feel depressed and isolated and alone? God will hold you in the midnight hour and wipe the tears from your eyes just like he did me. Let me tell you about what the God I serve. You want to know him? I'd love for you to come with me. I'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you and tell you more. Let me tell you more of my story so you can see how Christ dwells in me. I am a living vessel of the hope of glory. Are y'all catching this? I feel like I got way more energy than you got right now. Because I'm excited about the opportunities to tell the world. Pastor, I'm going to be labeled weird. You're already weird. Let it go. Stop trying to subscribe to not being weird. You're weird. You're weird in your own way. I am not weird. I am not weird. I am so cool. To you, you're cool. But to somebody else, you're probably a little weird. If I caught you driving down the road having your little concerts that you have in your car and took a video and posted it, yeah, you'd be weird real quick. Don't think I don't know. I've caught some of y'all in Slidell. It's not that big of a town. Amen. Y'all think I don't see. I got a big H on the back of my car. You can't miss me from a mile. Speed up. I'm having concerts in my car, Jack. What are you saying about the character of God? Look, look at verse 29. It goes on, he says, then he asked him, but who do you say that I am? Peter replies, you're the Messiah. Look, look at the, what the messenger says. I love what the messenger says. It says, he then asked, and you, what are you saying about me? Who am I? Peter gave this answer, you are the Christ, the Messiah. You are the Christ, the Messiah. It's amazing to me, excuse me, how we'll overleap. We'll jump over the Messiah part. And what we'll do is we'll say, Jesus will say, who am I? Well, you're my fixer. Well, who am I? Well, you're my my emotional pick-me-up when I choose to come out of my disparity. Who am I? You're my sugar daddy when I can't seem to fix it on my own. Who am I? Well, you know, you're the one I run to when I can't seem to get it right. Who am I? Instead of, you're the Messiah. Do you understand what Peter is declaring in this moment? You are the Savior of Saviors. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. There is no one bigger than you. Right. That's right. Now, here's the funny part He said it to Jesus, but yet, in a moment when He was asked, He denied Him three times. Which will take me to this point very quickly. You might have a Peter spirit, but be careful. Because doubt can come get you when it wants you the most. Be careful. Guard your mouth. Because out of the mouth flow the issues of life. Because out of the mouth speak the issues of your heart. So let me help you with this. Peter says you're the Messiah. In the moments when Jesus is in front of him, it was easy to declare who he was. But when you don't feel him, what do you say he is when he's not sitting in the room, when you don't have a worship team to lead you, when you don't have a pastor preaching at you, when you don't have the comfort of churchdom and you got to live in the real world, when you don't seem to feel like he's in your midst, what do you say? Well, you know, I want to believe in him, but, you know, I haven't felt him in a little while, so I'm not sure if he's really there or not. No, he's there. He's just waiting to see if you're actually going to subscribe to what you said on Sunday. Do you understand that everything you declare, God will allow you to walk through a moment to test of whether or not you really believe what you said? My wife would tell me this, baby, please don't say that. Why? Because whatever you say, God's going to let you walk through it. Did you know that every message I preach, every one, I have to walk through it before I can preach it? Oh, I'm like, God, please don't ask me to preach one that's crazy. I don't know if I'm ready for all that yet. (laughs) Every time I have to walk through a season before I can declare a word because he says you'll never be able to declare something you don't actually believe. There's a lot of preachers in the world that proclaim a lot of things they've never walked through. They claim a lot of things they've never seen. Yes, right. I'm not saying that's everybody, but there's a lot of it in the, in the, in the church world today. Yes. And he asked, he said, go back to verse 29 in the message version. And you, what, what are you saying about me? Who am I? Well, you're the guy I visit on Sundays. You're the guy I get dressed up for. Try to cover my battle wounds and my scars. <laughs> you're the one I put the masquerade mask on for on Sunday so that no one knows how painful I am on the weekdays. <sighs> Peter responds, you're my savior. You're the Christ. I guess my question to you is, is has he become your savior yet? Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be very honest about this. The reason the world doesn't know is because we don't believe what we actually say we believe. I know y'all look at me like I'm stupid right now, but it's truth. I'm going to say this to you personally. I believe that I'm going to be held accountable for who I told. Have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not laid hands on the sick in your name? Have we not told people about who you are? Yes, you have. But depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know you. Because you didn't do it for my name's sake. You did it for your name's sake. You did it so that you might be glorified in the earth, not so that I might be glorified in the earth. You did it so that you might stand behind spotlights rather than I become the spotlight. You did it so that you might be put on post bo- billboards rather than I become the billboard of your life. Amen, See, the thing is, that I've learned is over the years is that in order for God to really be who he wants to be in my life, I've got to get out of the way so that he can become the way. Yeah. I am not your source. I'm just your pastor. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to lead you to the source. I'm, I'm really good at being a butler. I'm good at opening doors and pointing you to where the master is, but I'm not going to become the master in your life. When you come and say, Pastor, you need to talk to me. No, I, you need to talk to God first. Let me be the fore- afterthought, not the forethought. Right. The go to God first. That's who I have to go to. You should have to go to him, too. Yeah. Pastor, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Where's God in the middle of it? If he's not there, maybe you want to th- really rethink of what you're doing. But it it's to be holy all the time, I don't know. Did do you like sin? I don't want to be a holy roller. Maybe you need to be a holy roller. Maybe you need to roll holy. Listen, everything that the world believes is determined by what you say next. And if you say nothing, they will believe nothing. But let me help you with something. Your belief better look the way your life is too. Be careful what you say because the moment you say it, inspection time is coming. If I declare God to be a big God and God's going to do all these great things, then I better be able to show that I'm willing to live in that greatness that he has for me. Because the world doesn't care what just what you say. They also care what you do. Yeah. He says, what, what are you saying about me? Who am I? You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. Yes, and if you read Scripture, it says there, Jesus admonishes him. He tells him, he said, man, you're dead on. I'm so proud of you. It's great. And man, this is going to be, this is your reward. But yet, chapters later, he denies. And he doesn't just do it once. He does it three times. Now, if you know Scripture, as I close, if you know Scripture, it says that uh, later on in the Bible, he has presented another opportunity. I don't know if you ever read this; it's kind of amazing. Uh, he's a, he's awarded another opportunity. He comes. He says, "I'll never do this again." And he he comes before uh, not a king. He wasn't a king, but he was like a part of the hierarchy. And he says, "Are you one of those guys?" And it says in the scripture, it "says that almost like Peter took a pause." This is what I truly believe. I'm trying to remember the name of this, this person, and I, I really I wish I, God will give it back to me in a minute. He's standing in this moment, and he, he's asked a question. Are you one of those believers? Are you one of those sayers? He takes a pause, and he goes, yeah, I am. That's who I am. I am one of those. At the risk of being ridiculed, at the risk of being even crucified for his beliefs now. He steps up in a moment and declares Christ. I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. God, I wish I remember his name because the name of the person that Peter's talking to, if you translate it in the Hebrew, it means the rooster is crowing again. In that moment, he stands before the rooster that crowed three times when he denied Christ. And now the rooster is crowing again, and he has an opportunity to say something. And he steps up to the plate and declares, I am. I am with the I am. I am. I will not be ashamed. I will not hide it. I will shout it from the rooftops. I quietly I quietly hid in the middle of my own issues, afraid of what the world might think about me, afraid that I might be crucified, afraid that I might be beat, afraid that I might be chastised. And in the moment of that, his crucifixion, while I watched him walk down the street and take the cat of nine tails and watched him be cussed at and spit upon, him, and the people who once cried, Hosanna, save me, save me, were now crying out, crucify me. The ones, that want, the ones that were waiting for the Messiah knew the prophet, knew the prophecies, knew that he was the one to come to save them with freedom freed a killer before they would free the one that would save them. God, and I stood in the moment and I became just like the world. I began to talk like the world because I refused to say something. Be careful because if you don't say something, your tongue will become what it said before salvation. Because you will start to speak things that are contrary to what you've said you've believed for you. Peter now stands in this moment and he says, yeah, I did all those things. But isn't it just like God to give me another opportunity? Because he's my redeemer. And this is my moment of redemption. Every day that you're given an opportunity to say something is your moment to fix the moment you didn't say something. How many times has God said say something and you didn't? didn't last story i'm closing i was probably 19 lived in tampa i'd gone back for our, my first high school reunion i went back to the school and there was a kid named sean young kid he was probably i think he was a sophomore in high school and we just become friends like i just loved on the kid like i graduated he was a freshman and so when I came back to to, to Fort Walton Beach that we spent the day together and, and something kept compelling me to share. And I argued with God. I said, God, it's not the right time. And I knew my, my spirit was telling me, Brian, you gotta tell him. He needs what you got. God, I'll get it next time. I'll get it next time. So I remember driving home, getting all the way into Tampa, and a friend of mine called. Literally I was pulling into the house. I get a phone call. He had just been in a car accident. He's dead. I ran in the house. I threw my luggage on the bed. I repacked my luggage, threw it back in the car, and drove back to Fort Walton Beach. At that point, it was a nine-and-a-half-hour drive, ten, a ten-and-a-half-hour drive. For me, it was nine-and-a-half because I sped. Amen. And I got back into town, and and I had to deal with the pain of, dude, why didn't you just Why didn't you just open your mouth? You had a moment. What were you doing? Then I started, okay, watch. Condemnation comes in, and you start to think. He didn't make it because of me. Does that bother anybody? Because it bothered me. And so we, I'm there for three days. and I mean, it was it was moving quick. The next day was the wake, and then a day later was the funeral, and, and we, we go to the wake, and I, I'll never forget I went into the funeral home. And I saw this kid that almost was unrecognizable because he was done up. I tell my wife, please do not paint me and put me in a casket and let the world see me like that. Just close that sucker. I don't, I'm, that's not me. So I'm looking at him, and it's anger came over me and hurt and I walked outside. There was a dent. My mom will tell you, there was a dent in my trunk lid while I had that car because I walked outside and I punched the car. I I had to deal with something on the inside of me. I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. I wanted to scream. I wanted to yell. I wanted, I wanted, I didn't know. I wanted to run out in the street and God, take me. God, I, I shouldn't have. All this pain came in. And then the next day we went to the funeral and I'll never forget. We're on a dirt road and 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 it was leading up to the, to the, gravesite and there was a tent and the family was under the tent and and I knew his older brother I knew his older brother I knew his family and and I'm walking up to the tent and I swear to you this is what I hear what will you say now and I walked in his mom hugged me and his dad hugged me and his brother hugged me and and I said hey can I can I have a moment I waited. I, I kind of waited till the crowd had passed the moment. I we kind of waited until everybody had grieved and hugged. And, and, and we had gone through the ceremony. And I said, hey, can I, can I just have a moment before we go home? And they were like, yeah, what's wrong? I said, I just need all three of you for a second. And I sat there and I told them, I said, listen, I was here three days ago. And I spent the day with Sean. And God told me to tell him something. But I didn't do it. I didn't tell him about how good God is. But I have in a redemption moment. I have a moment to tell you. God loves you. And I know you're in pain. And I know you're hurting. And I know you're going through it. And I know you're grieving the loss of your son. But I need you to know that through your mourning, God will become your joy. And I know you're not believers. I know you don't subscribe to what I subscribe to. But I serve a God that will heal your pain. And I'm saying this. His mom is weeping. And I said, I know you might not like this, but can I please pray for you? And his mama looks at me, and she goes, no, will you lead us to Jesus? And in that moment, I just quietly brought him to Jesus. And this has been my prayer. God, let that be the redemption moment. Yes, I missed one, but I am not going to miss any more. Can I be honest with you? I've missed other moments. And then God reminds me of that story. How many more Sean's can you allow in this lifetime? Don't accept someone's access to hell. Don't accept someone's pain as life. Lead them to the one that will give them great life. Say something so that the world will change what they're saying about the God that we serve. It is not in Muhammad. It is not in Allah. These are just other words because people don't want to subscribe to the true and living God. He is not Buddha. He is not some fat man on a seat. He is not a feel-good. He is not the man and the big man in the sky. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, Jehovah my provider. He is my peace. He is my joy. He's everything. He is Elohim. The God. The God. There is no one greater than him. He is my King of all kings. He is my Lord of all lords. He is my everything. What will you say now? If you can listen to that message and go home and say nothing, I'm the world's worst preacher. I need you to know that I will believe that. Because even through this message, I am challenged even more. And trust me, if you get around me long enough, you'll find out I don't. I don't hide. But I'm challenged even more now to declare, to decree, to let the world know that my Jesus, my God, the Holy Spirit is alive and well, and desires to dwell in the hearts. Of Could you imagine if the world actually had God, what it would look like? We might just wake up to the second coming. Everybody stand to your feet.